it's go time. Welcome, welcome back again to Kingdom Connects, Connect to the Word. It's your girl, Grace, and I'm excited to have you all listening today. I hope you've been enjoying the series so far and been enjoying the podcast episodes. We'd love to hear your feedback, so leave a comment. And if you're following us on Instagram at Kingdom Connects, make sure to send us a dm or leave a message under one of our posts and let us know what you guys are thinking and how you guys are liking it and what you guys would like to hear so that we can all learn the word together and have good christian conversation so before we jump into today's topic as always let's go ahead and start with a prayer Heavenly Father God, we thank you this day. We thank you for bringing us all here together. We thank you, O oh God, for the opportunity to just talk. We thank you, O oh Lord, for the opportunity to, to look into your word, to discuss your word. And as we get into today's topic, we ask you, Holy Spirit, that you would speak to us, speak through us, O oh God. We pray, Holy Spirit, that you would touch us in a new way. We pray, O oh God, that you would give us the ability to stand for you even in the midst of trials. We pray that you would give us the ability lord father god to stand for you even when it's not popular we pray that this word oh god would minister to someone and even minister to me we give you the glory we pray that everything you want us to say today will come out and whatever you don't want us to talk about oh lord help us not to say we thank you and we bless your name in jesus name we pray amen 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 so kind of want to start this i don't know if i should call it a series or whatnot it's kind of a way to talk a little bit more about what it's like growing up in church um, and being in Christ and staying in Christ. So I'm looking, I don't want to give it a title yet because you know what, that's a lot of commitment. (laughs) It's a lot of commitment, but I'm thinking of a series, kind of like a Diaries of a Jesus Girl. That's what I'm thinking of calling it, Diaries of a Jesus Girl. Um, And just to discuss things that I've experienced that we've other people also have also experienced growing up in church and how we see it differently now. Today's episode is a little personal, not super personal, but it touches on something that I used to struggle with as a kid uh, and growing up, especially growing up in church. And it kind of allows me to open up as well and be a little bit more transparent, which is what I want to do. So today we're talking about you're doing too much. What does that even mean? Um, well, let's let let's let's talk. I have a latte here. Let me tell you the story about this latte. <laughs> so this latte, this is a side note, but I just feel like sharing. Um, this latte that I'm drinking right now, I got it as a um, secret Santa gift. And my sister, Rochelle, so if you know my sister, Rochelle, do thank her for me because she ordered it for me. It's like a little singles package and you get to like pour it and add water to it. And she ordered it for me for my Secret Santa gift, but she happened to order it as a monthly subscription. So I've been getting these lattes monthly, which has been lovely. (laughs) So thank you, Rochelle, if you're listening. (laughs) Um, But yeah, let's talk about this you're doing too much. This is something I used to hear a lot 
as a kid. Um, interestingly enough, I grew up in church and I also went to a Christian elementary school and I went to Catholic school in high school. So it was like Jesus all around, Jesus here, Jesus there. And my mom would keep us in church Tuesdays, Fridays, Saturdays, and Sundays. And uh, <laughs> so, yeah, it was a lot. But you're doing too much it was something that I used to hear a lot because one thing about me, let me tell you, okay, let me tell you a little bit about me. It works for me and sometimes it works against me. But the truth is I can be stubborn and I can be a little bit hard-headed, right? So one thing that never really got to me by the grace of God was peer pressure. So I was probably the opposite of peer pressure. If you were peer pressuring me to do something, I would do the opposite. So peer cornerstone, I don't know what the opposite of peer pressure is, but I was the opposite. So if you really wanted me to do something bad, you weren't going to get me to do it, no matter like how much you would try, because I was so, if I was convicted about something and I knew something, I was sticking to it. And no matter how bad it made me look, like I would remember, okay, let me throw this story out there since I'm, already, <laughs> so I'm going off. But I remember when I was in, I think, sixth grade and we were having a recess and we were outside. And, you know, that was the era of like the dance hall and all that kind of stuff. And I told you I like dance hall music. I, I used to like dance hall music. But I wasn't a big dancer back when I was in middle school because I was very shy. Anybody who knows me know for true, I was very shy. And I still have a little bit of that shyness, maybe a lot of it. I'm working on it, guys. <laughs> so someone had their phone out. That was like the day of the Nextels. Oh, that was the day of the Nextels. So someone flipped out their Nextel and was playing this one dance hall song. It must have been like Elephant Man or something like that. And everybody was like dancing and grinding, you know, and I just was not about that life. For one, I was shy. And for two, that would make me highly uncomfortable because I was convicted about Jesus even as a little kid. And I was like, no. If I do this, I'm going to go home sad, you know, because then I'm going to have to ask for forgiveness and be guilty in my conscience and all this kind of thing. And we were in a big, pretty much a big group. I was like, like 10 of us or so. And everybody's like dancing and whining and doing all this stuff. And they're like, Grace, do it. And I'm like, no. And they're like, why? And I'm like, I don't want to. And I became like the ridicule of recess on that day. And it was like, oh, I mean, all the names that they call me, I don't even want to get into it, but they called me everything under the sun and i was sitting there pinching my myself like grace don't cry don't grace don't cry and of course the easiest thing would be just do it so that you can get them off your back but my conviction would not allow me to i would rather you call me every name so i was called um whack i was called people even was like oh you're gay like all this kind of kids can be mean yeah all these kind of things they were calling me and i just couldn't I still couldn't do it because I knew it wasn't right. And I went home that day like, why am I so different? Like, I wasn't even mad at myself that I didn't do it. I was just like, why am I so different? But looking back on it now, I see what it is. I see what it is. And it's conviction. It was back then seen as doing too much. Why are you so Christian? Why do you do everything right? Oh, this was my favorite, right? Why are you the goody two-shoes? And on top of it, the fact that my name is Grace doesn't make it any better, right? Because <laughs> Grace just made it seem like, oh, you must be like Holy Mary's last born daughter because you're Grace and you don't do anything bad and you never get in trouble. And it's not true. I, I did bad stuff. I did get in trouble, but I just 
wouldn't do it in public. <laughs> That's really what it was. But back to this um, this topic of doing too much. I wonder if you've ever felt like you're doing too much or has anyone ever told you you're doing too much for God, doing too much for Christ? Why do you go so hard? Why do you have to be in church every Friday? We have choir rehearsals every Friday. I think since I've been in high school, um, so maybe 16, that was like a long time ago, at least 10 years ago. <laughs> and I've been in choir rehearsal every Friday since then. Why are you always, and I grew up in a deliverance ministry at that. Yeah, I think I need to do another episode on this. So maybe this Diaries of a Jesus Girl will become a thing. Um, because I grew up in a deliverance ministry. So you know, the Bible talks about the casting out of demons and so on, so on and so forth. And that's something that I've seen since the age of six years old. So I'm not new to deliverance. And also growing up seeing deliverance from like the first grade helped me to understand some of the things that would come upon a person when you open yourself to sin. So I think that was another reason why I was so convicted because I wasn't just hearing the word and seeing people live the word, but I also was seeing the consequence of not living the word. And I was like, oh, no, no, no. I understand that if I open myself to these certain sins, that if I end up in premarital sex, if I end up in in alcoholism and drugs, it's not only gonna affect my physical body, but I would then be entertaining demons and I've seen demons manifest and I don't want to be a part of that. Right. So that was part of my conviction. Have you ever been told that you're doing too much? Have you ever been told, why do you, why do you love Jesus so much? Why can't you just be normal? You know, people will make you feel like you're too holy and you're not good enough to hang out with us. And that's not the case. It's just that my conviction is real. And when you come to not just hear about God and not just learn about God, but actually begin to understand the things of God and begin to understand Christ Jesus for yourself, it makes you make decisions that align with the word of God. So you are seen as though you're being too holy, but you're just trying your best to live a righteous life. And it's not that we are holier than thou, and it's not that we're more righteous than anyone, no, but it's that our conviction helps us to make better decisions and it's something that we as christians want all people to learn and all people to live i remember this one story this person who used who used to be my best friend in like middle school middle school early high school um she called me and that was the days back then when we didn't have cell phones so if you call your parent was going to pick up the household right <laughs> so she called the phone and my mom was always listening to what was going on so if someone would call me sometimes she would be on the other phone on mute listening and I knew my mom was listening because you know you can still kind of hear when someone has picked up the other line and sometimes it used to give you like a little button like a flash like oh someone else is on the other phone besides the point (laughs) but my then best friend had called me and she said I was yeah, we were in high school, 16, I was about 16. And she was like, Oh, let's go to New Rock. So for those who know what New Rock is, if you're from like the Bronx area in New York City, New Rock was like the hangout spot where they would have like arcades, um, games, food, the movie theater was there. So that was like the popping place. She was like, Oh, let's go to New Rock. And I was like, I can't go to New Rock. And she was like, Why? It's Saturday. And I was like, I have to go to church. My mom, God bless my mother. I hope to do an episode with her <laughs> one day. She unmutes herself and she's like, and mom's going in, right? We are not going to any church. We are going to fellowship. Tell the truth. We are going to fellowship. And my friend was like, fellowship? What is that? 
And she was like, you never have time to hang out with us. You worship her. And she hung up the phone on me. And I was just, can you hear the silence? Yeah, that's the silence that I had that day. And I asked myself, why do I keep getting wrong and insulted for, for Jesus? Anytime I think I'm doing something right, it's either I'm holy and now I'm a worshiper. And as a child, I didn't even, I knew a worshiper was someone who worshiped God, but I had never been insulted as a worshiper. So I was confused. Was she complimenting me or insulting me? But that tone and the fact that she hung up on me let me know that it was an insult. Was well, not an insult, but she was insulting me by calling me a worshiper. Little did she know she was prophesying, right? <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> because today I actually do lead worship. I wasn't leading worship back then. I would sing on the choir um, and I was learning the piano that time, but I wasn't leading worship. Today, to the uh -huh, shondo, to the glory of the most high God, I actually am a worshiper. Link in my bio. I am a worshiper. And it just goes to show that you will get backlash sometimes for people from people who do not understand what it means to follow Christ. In order to follow Christ, you will get backlash. You will be set aside. And it's it can be hard. And I know, especially as a young person where you're, oh God, I know, especially as a young person living your life for Christ in your teenage years, in your early, in your early 20s and your even up to your 30s can seem quote unquote uncool to people. It can seem like you're not getting to live um, your best life. You're not getting to live out your years and what people say, like, get it out your system. Trust me, what you're putting in your system is going to sustain you for a lifetime and it's well worth it. It's, it can be confusing sometimes because especially like when you have Christian friends who, who may go to church but not necessarily practice the things of Christ, if that makes sense. Um, they're churchgoers, but they don't aspire to necessarily live a life that the that the Bible calls us to live a life of holiness and righteousness. It can be confusing because you're thinking, okay, well, this person, they should at least understand me because they're Christian too. And it used to confuse me because like I said, I was in a Christian school. So it was like, aren't we all trying to live like Christ? No, maybe not. Okay. I don't know why I'm getting singled out for it, but okay. And it can be confusing sometimes because how is it that you want to talk about Christ or when I bring up Christ and like, especially when if something's going wrong or someone's sad or something and I bring up Christ and it's like, it's not time for the Jesus talk. And it's like, oh, but then when, when is the time for the Jesus talk? That's when we need him. You know, that's when we need him. It reminds me of the story of when I was, I think I have a lot of stories, right? <laughs> but it's, I guess it's more so testimonies. <laughs> um, when my friend was going through something and she had lost a loved one and I was at her house and I was telling her like, girl, this is your time to hold on to Christ. Like, don't let this opportunity go to the point where it's like the enemy will try and put you in a depression and things like that. And I said, no. And I started quoting her scripture that she can stand on. And it was two of my friends. And my friend, the other friend that I was not speaking to when she was in the room, um, she said, go ahead, pastor. Like, tell, like, preach that word. Go ahead, pastor. And immediately I felt in my spirit, isn't it sad that when you know your word, they call you a pastor? And I was like, oh, Holy Spirit, wow. And it's true. When you quote the word, 
or will you speak the word sometimes even amongst some believers they call you a pastor but the truth is that we've all been called to know the word just because we quote the word doesn't make us a pastor a pastor is someone who has dedicated their entire life to leading and it's a call it's a call that the lord puts on your life but knowing the scripture and quoting the scripture doesn't make you a pastor as a christian actually one of the basic things that we're called and called to do is to know is to know the word as jesus said my sheep know my voice and the only way you're going to know the voice of god is through the word of god is through the scripture is through reading the bible and actually believing it and actually using it but then we don't do it and then when you hear someone who does we call them holy or we call them a pastor or we call them a prophet and it's like no as a child of god we're called to know scripture that should actually be the norm that should be the norm knowing the word of god is is what we need to sustain us it's not just the going to church part it's the knowing christ for ourselves we need to break the intertwinedness of religion and relationship no longer are we living in a generation in a time in a season where we're hooked onto religion just going to church just going to mass going because we're supposed to going because it's sunday going because it's easter going because it's christmas Nah, -uh, no more we are called into relationship with Jesus Christ. We're not just called to be hearers of the word, we're called to be doers of the word. A lot of the times what I've come to realize is that because we don't use the word when it's necessary, we think, oh, wait, how do I say? You know, there's this quote that my sister was telling me about that everybody is Christian until it becomes biblical, right? So we're a Christian on paper until it's time to use it. So we're going through a situation and we start to quote this, um, someone starts to tell you a verse or um, tell you the word of God and you're telling, them, you're telling them it's not time for that. But that goes to show that you are just practicing religion. You're not practicing relationship because in true relationship, right? Even if you think about it between maybe like girlfriend, boyfriend, or just a friendship, or, or between um, you and your mom or, or anyone who you trust, you go to them when something is wrong. But when it comes to Jesus, we don't wanna go to him when something's wrong because it's not time for that. It is time for that. It's time for us to move into a relationship with Jesus. And that's something that I've been being, I've been so intentional about is not allowing people to just call me a Christian, but to actually live Christ so that when they see me, they're like, oh, something about you is different this girl doesn't just talk bible but she acts it you know and a lot of times when you hear people say that they don't want to go to church anymore one of the number one complaints i hear is hypocrisy that the people in the church do one thing and they and they preach another they don't live what they preach gone are those days we are arising to be people who not only teach and preach but we actually live it we actually live the word of god and there will be, be people who do not like that, who will try and, and pin you for being, for exemplifying Christ. And we're not worried about them no more. Okay, guys, I wish somebody would have told me this as a young kid. Do not worry about them because at the end of the day, who do you stand before? You stand before Jesus Christ. When all of us, when the world is over and all of us die and we meet the Lord, our maker, he will either tell us, well done, good and faithful servant, or he'll say, depart from me, I do not know you. And that's what I don't want to hear is depart from me, I do not know you, especially after doing this podcast, <laughs> right? We don't want to hear those words from Jesus Christ. So let me tell you, the new wave is developing a relationship with Jesus. 
And how do we do that? Reading the word. And not just reading the word to check it off, but reading the word to understand it, reading the word to be able to practice it so that when the situation comes up, we're not looking for an alternate way out. We're saying, what scripture can I use to apply to this situation? And that's when we begin to encounter God. And we're going to go into a little bit of, of course, we have to go into scripture today to, to show an example of that. I also remember, um, I think I've exhausted this point, but I wanted to bring in this, this scenario to kind of show, to show it in real life. I was watching this hair video on YouTube and she was doing like assumptions about me and or a question Q&A. And someone asked, are you a Christian? And this is what she, her response was. Her response was, I believe in God. I believe that Jesus Christ is my Lord and Savior, but I'm not baptized. So I don't know if that makes me a Christian. You do what you want with like that information. And it pierced my heart to hear something like that. Because if you believe in Jesus Christ and you say that he's your Lord and your Savior, then you're a Christian. But you being baptized is not the determinant factor of what makes you a Christian, right? What makes you a Christian, Bible tells us in Romans chapter 10, is if you confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord and you believe in your heart. Baptism is just an open, open sign of you declaring that I'm a Christian. And it also signifies you being buried with Jesus and resurrected with Jesus. But the fact that her Christianity was in question is what made me feel sad. Why would we, Why? how could you answer, I don't know if I'm a Christian or you do what you want with this information? It's because ladies and gentlemen, we've been practicing religion and not relationship. We've just been clicking the Christian box, reading the verse of the day, but not actually taking the time out to pray and seek God in everything to say, God, thank you for waking me up this morning. What should we do today? How should I go about this? I mean, developing a relationship is little things like, Lord, which train car should I go in today? Little things like that is how you begin to live a life that makes the Holy Spirit your friend, that makes Jesus your friend. And it's not only running to him when there's trouble, but running, to, but being, walking with him on a daily basis. And it's not me judging or anything like that, but I actually want us to sit down and assess the quality of our relationship. If we say Jesus Christ is our Lord and our Savior, what does Lord mean? What does Savior mean? A Lord is someone who has authority over your life, who reigns over your life, who rules over your life. If this is my Lord, this is someone who I, I worship, whom I serve. I want his character to be my character you know and if he's my savior then that means he's rescued me from something what is the something that he's rescued me from and am i working daily towards staying away from the things that the lord has saved me from there's this saying that that people say sometimes like oh you can take the the girl out the hood but you can't take the hood out the girl yeah i was the you can take me out the church but you can't take the jesus out of me so whether i'm in the church building or i'm outside the church building my goal is to represent jesus christ do I fail? Sometimes I do. Yeah. But it's the persistent chase after the love of God. That's what it is. It's about when we fall down, we get back up again. And I have a, we have an episode on that concept of running back to the love of God. It's called runaway love. So if you haven't watched it or listened to it yet, do check it out. We have to get to the point where Jesus is not just what we, what we know, but what we believe. 
it has to get to the point where if you are it's kind of like an olive when you press an olive if you've ever seen like an olive bean like olive oil being made it's the pressing of the olive that makes the olive oil come out we have to be so filled with the word that when we are pressed when we are crushed when we are persecuted when we go through trials when we go through happy times when we go through good times it is the word of god that comes out of us that's our goal not just to be hearers of the word but to be doers of the word so with that our connecting scripture for today is john chapter 19 john chapter 9 and we're going to read from verse 13 to 34. so if you can follow along uh, but i'll be reading it and going verse by verse to just point out some points that are relevant to today's topic so john chapter 9 verse 13 to 34 i am reading from the niv version and it reads they brought to the pharisees a man who had been blind now the day on which jesus had made the mud and opened the man's eyes was a sabbath therefore the pharisees also asked him how he received his sight he put mud on my eyes the man replied i washed it and now i see verse 16 some of the pharisees said this man is not from God, for he does not keep the Sabbath. Others asked, how can a sinner perform such signs so they were divided? Okay, let's stop there and kind of give the background of what's going on. So there was a blind man that was on the side of the road and Jesus was walking by and it was the Sabbath day. And on the Sabbath day, the rule and the law of the Jews was that you were supposed to not do any work. So Jesus actually was not supposed to perform miracles on the Sabbath day. He wasn't supposed to do anything that would cause anyone to work. But Jesus saw this man. He had been blind since birth and was moved out of compassion to heal him. So Jesus spat in the mud. He put the spit in the dirt, made mud, put it over the man's eyes and asked the man to go and wash it off. And when he did, the man who was blind from birth was healed. And everybody was in awe because people thought that he was blind because he had sinned. And God said, Jesus said, it's not that he's blind because he sinned. He's blind so that the glory of God would be seen. And I mean, we could teach that in depth, but that's not where, the direction we're going in today. But Jesus was moved out of compassion. And this is the point that I want to raise here in this verse 16 is that the people were divided. The Bible says that some of the pharisees said this man is not from god for he does not keep the sabbath note what's going on here is religion because jesus wasn't following the rules strictly and not going by the law they were saying that he was not of god but what jesus did was heal a man out of compassion if this man has been blind all his life and now is the opportunity for him to be healed a good thing has come his way you want Jesus to wait the next day to heal this man just because that's what the law says. In this instance, we can see that Jesus was not moving according to religion. He wasn't going according to rules and laws and regulations. He wasn't breaking them, but he was moving out of the love of God. Jesus had a relationship with his father, God. So he knew that love is the greatest of them all. And if there is a man who needs to be healed today and I can help him, why would I not? especially because this man was made for such a time as this. It was this instance that this man was actually blind. This man was born blind so that at this very moment, in this opportune time, 
Jesus would be able to open his eyes. So you can see the people were confused. Some said he's not of God. And then some also said, how can a sinner perform such signs if he isn't of God? So people were divided because of what? Relationship versus religion. Some, were, some people were able to see that Jesus did a miracle. He did a kind thing. He did something in the supernatural. So this must be of God. But those who were religious were stuck on the fact that you cannot do miracles on the Sabbath day says the law of Moses. But this is the son of God. And that goes back to the point that we raised earlier. We need to break out of religion and move into relationship. We need to break out of, I go to church on Sundays because I have to, and move into the arena of, I'm going to church to worship with my fellow brothers and sisters unto the Lord because I love Jesus, because I love being in the presence of God. It's no longer the days where we do things because we have to in relationship who wants to be in a relationship where you have to be there no relationship is something that you cultivate because you want and believe it or not jesus wants to be loved by you jesus wants to spend time with you jesus wants to hear your voice even in the book of revelation the bible tells us that jesus stands at the door of our heart knocking waiting for us to come in which means even Jesus himself doesn't just open the door to your life and insert himself, but he wants you to open the door and say, come in, come into my heart. You know, when you hear that sinner's prayer and we say, Lord, come into my heart, come and be my Lord and Savior. It's because there's an invitation. The Holy Spirit, Jesus is a gentleman. He will not barge his way into your life like the enemy does. The enemy comes in like a fake lion, coming, roaring, acting up, inserting himself, doing things that stealing killing and destroying but jesus is the prince of peace so when he comes in he comes in with peace he wants to be invited into your life he's given up his whole life that we would be able to live and even with that he doesn't move in that audacity to say because i'm jesus christ let me in jesus moves in love and we can see that with this man moving on to verse 17 um, they turn again to the blind man what have you to say about him? It was your eyes he opened. The man replied, he is a prophet. They still did not believe that he had been blind and received his sight until they sent for the man's parents. They asked, is this your son? Is this the one you say was born blind? How is it that he can now see? We know he is our son, the parents answered, and we know he was born blind. But how he can see now or who opened his eyes, we don't know. Ask him. He is of age. He will speak for himself. He will speak for himself. His parents said this because they were afraid of the Jewish leaders who had already decided that anyone who acknowledged that Jesus was the Messiah would be put out of the synagogue. This was why his parents said he is of age ask him. His parents were afraid of being put out of the synagogue. So instead of saying that they knew Jesus had healed their son, they said, ask him, how many of us have been ashamed of Jesus? How many of us have been the parents of this blind man? That when people are getting ready to criticize us, we deny Jesus. Even remember it happened with Peter because the pressures were coming. Jesus was no longer popular at that time. Instead of Peter to stand up for Jesus, he denied Jesus. We cannot be afraid of Jesus. We're afraid to stand up for Jesus. The blind man said over and over that Jesus healed him because why? He had an encounter with God. He had a conviction. 
he had tasted and seen that Jesus is good. The blind man came into relationship with Jesus. So he was not going to deny Jesus, but his parents were still living in religion. His parents were so afraid of being kicked out of the community, kicked out of the circle, kicked out of the club, being out of the clique, being out of the standing out that they were like, we'll even deny our son at this point. Yeah, we know this guy, but we don't know who healed him. That is the dangers of religion. Religion is when you start doing things not because you understand, but because that's that's the hard, fast law. Relationship says, I have encountered Jesus. So despite what you say, despite what you think about me, despite if you think I'm doing too much, despite if my Instagram page has been a lot of scripture, a lot of preachy, somebody the other day told me I was pious. I didn't even know what that word meant. I had to look it up. Apparently pious means I'm being spiritual. Glory to God. No more are we going to be silent and feel bad because we want to represent Christ. Actually, remind this actually reminds me of a time when I was in school and I was amongst three ladies. Two were my friends and the other girl was a friend of the two other young ladies. What happened was we were having a discussion. I forgot how we even ended up on this topic, but we were talking about Jewish people. One of the girls started like, cussing out about how Jewish people are nasty and they don't care about other people and all this kind of thing and was going off about them. I said to her, you know, I know there's things that they do that are not exactly fair and there are practices that they have that are not nice, but I would encourage you to not curse them um, and use all these words against them because the Bible does let us know that God himself has a covenant with these Jewish people. Going back to the book of Exodus, where the Lord told Moses, I will curse them that curse you. And I will, or not Moses, he told Abraham, I will, so back to, actually, even earlier, back to Genesis, he said, I will bless those that bless you, and I will curse those that curse you. So I said to her, you know, just be careful, because you don't want to bring a curse upon yourself by cursing these people. And here I was being spiritual, right? And she got highly upset with me. So just because they doing bad things doesn't mean I can't say nothing. Doesn't mean I should bow down and worship them. And I was like, oh, no, 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 no. That's not what I'm saying. I'm not saying bow down and worship them. I'm not saying they're doing something wrong. You can't call them out. You can call them out. As we can see in the word, if we continue reading this chapter, Jesus calls out the Pharisees. I'm not saying don't call them out. I'm saying don't curse them. If they do something wrong, yeah, you can say it. If you want to point out something that they did that was wrong, go ahead and point it out. I'm with you actually, but what I'm not with you on is cursing them. You don't have to curse them. It became a, a hot discussion. And there was another, one of the other girls that was in the group. I knew she was a Christian because I we go to church together and I know she's like, you know, tongue speaking and stuff. So I was hoping she was going to like jump in and back me up and she didn't say nothing. And I was like, oh, I'm in this conversation by myself. So we were going um, back and forth, not arguing, because that's something that I learned. Like, I'm not going to argue with people. What I do is I present the truth to you and I leave it for you. Um, but I'm not going to like shove it down your throat and I'm not going to argue about it either. But she was upset with me. And um, so we were having a discussion. She got heated, but I tried my my absolute very best. And I think I did well to stay calm. And we were talking, I was saying to her, do you see why Jewish people are so blessed? It's because of this covenant that they have with God. 
um, all Christians think that blessing is money. And I said, I didn't say that the Jewish people have money. I said they were blessed. But if you notice that my money is a type of blessing, then yeah, girl, <laughs> money is a type of blessing. But that's not the only blessing that they have. So as we were going back and forth about it, I said to her, like in closing, like, I'm not really arguing it with you. I'm just, you know, letting you know that this is what the Bible says. They have a covenant with God. If they go wrong, yeah, you should correct them. But you should watch your mouth and not curse them. You know, the conversation ended there. Maybe about two weeks later, the girl who I told you was a Christian in the group who I was hoping was going to back me up. She came to me and she said, you know, I'm really inspired and touched by the way you stood up to so-and-so um, when she was coming at you and barking about the Jewish thing. She said, I saw um, the way you reacted and I saw how calm you were. And I really did want to jump in because I agreed with you, but I was just too shy to do it. I was too afraid to do it. But watching you handle her that way gave me like an inspiration that the next time I hear someone saying something that's contrary to the word of God, I, I want to actually stand up for what I believe in, stand up for the word of God. And that, if I didn't get through to the girl, leaving that to God. But for this of my other friend to come back to me and say this to me, I had to bless God because I had made up my mind that you know what, my whole life, I've already been termed a good girl. I've already been termed the Jesus girl. I've been termed Jesus daughter. So I might as well walk it out unashamed and not walk it out nastily and being nasty to people, but be confident in it. If you know me, you know, I'm really shy and I actually don't like confrontation. But that day I was like, nah, girl, I'm just going to leave the truth with you. And that's been my approach. And it was able to touch this, my friend. And that's what we're called to do. We're called to be unapologetic for Christ, not called to be mean, not called to be judgmental, but called to present the truth. There's a scripture that says that in the New Testament where Paul says he plants the seed, Apollos waters, and God gives the increase. You never know what seed you're planting when you tell somebody about Christ. Just And you never know how you're affecting someone by the way you act. A lot of the time, we are the only Bible that people read. So the way I handled that situation ended up helping my friend want to, you know, stand up for Christ. Now, imagine if I was nasty about it and wanted to throw hands with the girl. That would have been a whole misrepresentation of Jesus Christ. Even if what I was saying was right, she wasn't going to hear it. You know why? Because of the way I presented it. Because I presented it, I, if I would have presented it with an attitude, if I would have been coming for her and cursing back as well, what Jesus am I representing? Our character is one of the number one ways to witness to people. Our Yeah, our character is one of the number one ways to witness to people. So in case you may be a little bit shy about evangelism, you may be shy about telling somebody, do you know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior? Let your character reflect the character of Christ. And that in itself will be a witness to Jesus because people are watching. And kind of like we said earlier, we want to break this... Um, this stereotype and this misnomer that Christians are hypocrites, that the church is full of hypocrites. No more is the church full of hypocrites. We are going to be a generation that walks what we talk. We are going to be a generation that lives the word, reads the word, and acts like Christ. Is it easy? No, but thank God that he's given us the Holy Spirit. He's given us the fruit of the Spirit. He's given us leaders, and that's where our pastors and our leaders come in to correct us where we go wrong. 
And as we develop relationship with the Holy Spirit, he will convict us of our unrighteousness. Our job to now begin to change our ways. So even if you have a disagreement with someone and you weren't Christ-like and you get convicted by the Holy Spirit, it's time to go back to that person and apologize. Not because you are less than and not because you are nobody and not because you are weak. Simply for the fact that if I do this, there's a possibility you can come to Christ. It's more than worth it. Because like we said, we want to hear on the last day where we go to meet God in judgment, well done, good and faithful servant. Going back to our scripture, um, I think we're up to verse 24. It says, a second time they summoned the man who had been blind. Give glory to God by telling the truth, they said. We know this man is a sinner. He replied, this is the blind man. He replied, whether he's a sinner or not, I don't know. One thing I do know is I was blind, but now I see. Look at the boldness that he's talking with, with the Pharisees. And you know what? There's a certain level of boldness that comes when you have, enc when you have encountered Christ for yourself, when you have encountered Jesus. And I think a lot of us sometimes, sometimes, you know, not always, but sometimes we feel shy because we haven't fully been convicted of what it is that we're preaching or what it is that we're teaching or the Jesus that we that we talk about. Sometimes it's hard for us to stand up for Christ because we know that this person watches me sin or this person has seen me act contrary to, to what I'm teaching. But because this man saw Jesus heal his eyes, this man knows what he's been through. Who knows how old he was? Let's say, let's just say maybe he was 30 or 29 or 28. All his life he has never he's never seen a thing. He's never seen his mother, the very mother and father that, that told him that, you know, put him to the side. He had never seen their faces up until the day that Jesus healed him. He had never seen a flower. He's never seen a pretty girl. He's never seen money. He's never seen the ocean. He's never even seen these Pharisees. But the day he met Jesus, all of that changed. And you know what? This is, this scripture is so, I feel like I'm going a little bit off topic, but let, let's run with it. This scripture is so um, deep because what happens is when this man's physical eyes are open and he sees Jesus and begins to live Jesus and testify of Jesus, not only is his physical eyes open, but his spiritual eyes are open because now he sees that Jesus Christ is the Messiah. And these Pharisees who are actually the religious people who are in the church, who are in the synagogue, are actually spiritually blind because they can't see that Jesus Christ is, is the Messiah. May we not be the people who are in the church but are spiritually blind in Jesus' name. Receive that. Amen. We are going to be a people who are living for Christ, who are in the church, and whose eyes are spiritually open because we live the word of God, because we walk not in religion, not in Christianity or Catholicism or Judaism or Pentecostal or Baptist or Methodist, not because we do any of that, not because we're seven-day Adventists, not because we're non-denominational, but because we walk in relationship with Jesus Christ, because we have true friendship with him, because we actually believe that the word of God is real, because we ha actually have testimony, like tangible testimonies that prove that Jesus Christ is real. And once you have, you know, if you, you know, I'm a science girl, once you have evidence your theory becomes a law. It becomes a principle. And once you have evidence of Jesus Christ in your life, there's no denying that he's real. There is no denying that he's real. So after this blind man told these guys off, listen to what he said. He says 
in verse 26. Okay, so the Pharisees said to him in verse 26, then they asked him, what did he do to you? How did he open your eyes? He answered, I already told you and you did not listen. Why do you want to hear it again? Do you want to become his disciples too? Yeah, I'm about to insert some, some noises here. Shots fired. <laughs> Shots fired at the Pharisees. He said, how many times do you want to ask me if Jesus Christ opened my eyes? I said, he opened my eyes. You clearly asking me because you want to be his disciple too. Mm -mm. See the boldness, watch. Chess, see the boldness. What happened when he was bold about Christ? Verse 28 says that they hurled insults at him and said, you are this fellow's disciple. We are disciples of Moses. We know that God spoke to Moses, but as for this fellow, see the disrespect. They even have gotten to the point where they have called Jesus a fellow. They said, as for this fellow, we don't know where he comes from. The blind man answered, well, now he can see. The man answered, now that is remarkable. You don't know where he comes from, yet he opened my eyes. We know, we know that God does not listen to sinners. He listens to the godly person who does his will. No one has ever heard of opening the eyes of a blind man. If this man were not from God, he could do nothing. This is what the blind man told him. He said, this is, he said, this is, he said, this is remarkable. You don't know where he comes from, yet he opened my eyes. And if he wasn't of God, would he be able to even open my eyes? If this man was not the son of God, he would be able to do nothing. And look how the Pharisees respond. They replied to him, you were steeped in sin at birth. How dare you lecture us? And they threw him out. Brothers and sisters, people will throw us out because of Christ. We won't be a part of the click, the click, click, click anymore. We may not be a part of the same circle, but if we stand up for the Lord, he will stand up for us. And Jesus Christ says, blessed are those who are persecuted for the sake of Christ Jesus. People will have their opinions. People will laugh at you. They'll chatter about you. They'll make you feel like you're too holy. Do not let your conviction go. Do not be ashamed of Jesus Christ. Do not ever scaled back or do less because you don't want to come across as doing too much we are in the last days and it's funny enough because the people who are actually not doing the right thing they do the most i don't know how many people in this day and age in today 2020 2021 are so bold about being witches so bold about new age so bold about tarot cards they're so bold about their sin. Look at the, let me get into politics, but look at the people who went into the Capitol Hill and just trashed the place. Boldness, boldness to do the wrong thing, boldness to be racist. But when we talk about Jesus, they want us to keep silent. They want to tell us we're doing too much. If you encounter God, you will not be the same person. And that reminds me even of the story of the woman at the well, one of the first evangelists in the Bible, who Jesus told her about herself. And she ran out into the town and said, come and see a man who told me everything about myself. The fact that she met someone who could change her life, the fact that she met Jesus and encountered Jesus for herself caused her to be unable to keep quiet. You know, anytime you like you catch a sale or you try a new product, especially us like girls, we're ready to call a friend and be like, try this, do this, 
You know why? Because we've tested it and it's good. How many of us watch YouTube and if you and if the person is raving about it, we go out and buy it. It's the same concept. If we have tested Jesus, if we have walked with him, if we have experienced him, there's no way anybody will be able to keep us silent. It would be hard for me not to talk about God because what else am I really talking about? What else am I really talking about? Your conviction of who Jesus is will come from your encounter with him. Even this man was insulted by the Pharisees. They even threw him out. But he said, I have to tell you the truth. This is my truth. My truth is Jesus Christ has healed me. Because of that, I'm not going to deny him. I'm not going to tell you any different story. I can't lie. You can insult me. You can throw me out the synagogue. You can take me out the, the, the Pharisees' clique. I can't be a part of your denomination anymore. But the truth is, Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And that's the boldness that we should walk in. Don't let anyone, no longer, and I'm speaking to myself, no more are we going to feel bad for saying the right thing. No more are we going to make people make us feel as though we are, we are less than or we are not Christian enough or too Christian. We're too Christian. We're too churchy. Everything God, 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 Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Jesus is my everything. So how can everything not be Jesus? Standing up for God will cause you to stand out because everyone else will be sitting down. If you think about it, if you're in a room full of people and everyone is sitting down and you stand up, you'll be the odd one out because you're standing up. Everyone else sometimes will be sitting on the truth. Everyone else will be sitting down because of shyness everyone else may be sitting because of fear everyone else may be sitting because they don't know jesus christ but we who know jesus christ are called to stand up and stand out for him and the beauty of that is that the lord says in in the beatitudes in matthew chapter 5 i believe as blessed are those who are persecuted for my name's sake which means jesus sees the fact that sometimes we are persecuted for him that we stand out that people would insult us because of him but he says blessed are we for that there is a reward for us. And when we meet our maker, when we meet Jesus Christ, those days will be worth it. We may not always feel it right away. It may, it may hurt. Sometimes it, it, will, it will take all the Jesus in you to be able to stand back up again. But we will be rewarded for it. Sister, brother in Christ, you are not doing too much. You are planting a seed. You are the light and continue to shine Christ in the darkness make darkness uncomfortable don't let them make the light uncomfortable you are the light we are not going to be religiously rude we're just going to be lovingly unapologetic for christ i'm rooting for you jesus girl jesus guy and anybody else who has been put down because they are quote unquote doing too much you have the approval of the one that matters you have the approval of heaven you have the approval of the church you have the approval of God Almighty. I pray that you are blessed. Hopefully we'll be doing more Diaries of a Jesus Girl. Until next time. Bye. Until next time is Grace from Team Kingdom Connects, where we're connecting you, believers to each other, supporting the kingdom, and connecting all people back to the word of God through Jesus Christ. Until next time. Hey.